Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Ridgeview Church. Uh, my name is Alex Barrett. I'm the lead pastor, and we're so glad you decided to join us for our series launch of Sundays. And over the next four weeks, we're going to be talking about uh, what we do on Sundays at Ridgeview and, and actually what most churches do. Uh, but we're not specifically going to talk about the what. We really want to talk about why. Like, why uh, do we do it? And it's easy for habits uh, that we have to just do without thinking. And so as we start, just think through what are habits that you do every day? Just you, you do them every day kind of without thinking it's a part of your schedule. Uh, hopefully things like personal hygiene, like brushing your teeth and showering and, and things like that. And then there, there may be some other habits you do, like you may want to exercise and work out. And if you're a Christ follower, part of your habits is like, I really need to spend time in God's word. And I need to spend time praying and kind of dedicating, surrendering my life to him. Uh, the thing with habits, though, is it's easy uh, to just kind of go through the motions at times. It's easy to think of those things as checking boxes. And certainly, there's just certain tasks which we just need to do without thinking. But the moment that Sundays become like that, we kind of lose some of the value. Uh, we lose the vision for the importance of why we do what we do. And so this series, we're going to be looking at uh, the central things of what we do on a Sunday morning. Now, this isn't like an exclusive list of what the church does. Again, this is just focusing on Sundays. So today I'm going to talk a little bit about the place of singing and this idea of, of worship and what, what is that. Uh, next week, we're going to talk about the importance of digging into God's word together. Why is that a valuable thing that the church needs to do every week? We're also going to talk about the importance of, of giving. Like, why do we have giving a part of Sundays? Like giving our, our tithes and giving our offerings. And then we're going to close out the series talking about the importance of serving, banding together, volunteering to really do the work that God wants us to do. And so I hope, uh, as you're attending today, I hope you'll, you'll come for the rest of this series so you can learn more of the backdrop of why we do what we do. This is an especially, I think, valuable time to talk about this. Right now, we are at the one-year anniversary for when we stopped meeting in our public gathering. Uh, we used to meet at D.W. Long Elementary School, and then March 8th of 2020 was the last Sunday that we met in there. And as you know, right now we're meeting outside Church at the Park at Olive Grove Park, and then we're doing this online service, and we have been since March 15th online. And we started our weekly services again in person on September 20th. And so between March 8th, our last Sunday, and September 20th, when we started gathering again in person, there were 27 Sundays where we did not gather together. There were 27 Sundays where we were doing things online, but we, we were not together doing some of these things. And for me, I grew up in the church. There were so many things that I just did, like a habit, without thinking. So for me, it was a great reminder of the importance of these things. And that's how it is. A lot of times when you can't do the things that you've always done, you start to, to realize, wow, I, I took things for granted. And I think for many of us part of Ridgeview, and I think for really the global church, all the different people involved in local communities had that same sense. I never realized how important it was to gather together. And so we're gonna be talking about that. And really, again, the importance and the reminders of what we need to be doing as a group of people. And so this series is about how Sundays remind us of certain things. Really, it's a picture of kind of getting our attention. 
Uh, recently, I flew, uh, rented a car. I was visiting uh, my sister on the East Coast, and I dropped uh, the rental car off, loaded the plane, boarded the gate, and as I was sitting in my seat to depart, I went in my bag and realized that I had left the rental car key. I was on the plane about to leave and I was stuck. They had a car that I'd parked and I had the key to move it to get started. And I was in this conundrum. What do I do? They, they're not going to be able to move this car. And I tried to leave the gate. I couldn't leave the gate. And it was just a big mess. Basically it took me a week to get the car key back to them, make sure they, they had it and it, it all worked out. Uh, this past week I, I traveled again. Now I'll tell you something very different because I left my key a few months ago, now when I park any rental car, the first thing I'm thinking is, have I left the key? So a few days ago, I left the key. And then as I was walking to the terminal from the rental car drop-off, I noticed all these signs. Have your key? Question mark. Drop it here. And then another sign. Have you left your rental car key? And, and I just started thinking like, wow, that is what I needed a few months ago. Reminders. And most of the time, that's how life feels. We just go through the motions and we forget things. What Sundays are designed to do is remind us of truth, remind us of our reality, remind us of the things that we really need to keep kind of in our vision of our life. It's easy for us to drift. It's easy for us to forget. We're forgetful people. I think the human race, as a rule, like we tend to forget. You dig into the scriptures and you find that, That's a theme throughout scripture, people forgetting who they are, people forgetting God's promises, people forgetting the way that they're supposed to move forward, and we are the same way. And so as we start off this series, I want to talk about this truth, and that's this, that Sundays remind us that our entire life belongs to God. Our entire life. When we gather together on a Sunday, or when we watch online, There should be something in us that triggers and reminds us that our life is not just about us. It's especially not just about me. It's bigger than that. It's actually bigger than just even me and my own family. It's bigger than my community. It's bigger than even just my concerns. There's a sense of which everything in life that's happening, I have a a decision to make. Am I going to actually look to the Lord Jesus for help? Am I going to give him my my will? And am I going to give him my my mind? Am I going to give him my heart? And am I going to give him everything in my life? And again, that's a decision that we have to make on a daily basis. And Sundays are this reminder we need to do that. If you're like me, we, we tend to think compartmentally. It's just the sense of like, I have my work over here and then I have my, my family life. And it's like a pie with, with a bunch of slices. And we have our finances in a slice. We have our fun in a slice. We have all these things, and then we kind of have church in a slice, and then we maybe have God in a slice. What you find about life is that when you decide to follow Jesus, you remove God out of the slice of your life, and you actually make him the core. And when God is the core of your life, he is attached to every slice, because life actually isn't compartmental. Everything flows together. And when you follow the Lord Jesus, to be a Christian means that I'm going to let God have access to every single part of my life. And Sundays are that reminder that we need every week. God, I've kind of taken you out of this portion. I've taken you out. Even though I can't, you still see everything and I need to just bring you back. I need to continue to look to you. I need to continue to 
fix my eyes on you. And if you're like me, we need this reminder because it's so easy to get so focused, put our head down on what we need to do. And so I want to start with a helpful scripture which has some crucial perspective. It was written by the Apostle Paul. I talk a lot about Paul here at Ridgeview because he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He was the pioneer, really, of the Christian movement, planting churches. He worked alongside Peter in in different regions to different people. Uh, Peter was one of the disciples, and Paul was actually somebody who was coming against the disciples in the movement of Christianity, and then God saved him. In fact, what happened to Paul is what I just described. God got a hold of Paul hold of Paul's life and said, you know, your whole life belongs to me. You can't do your own thing according to your own ways and your own will. I want you to commit your will and commit your ways to me. And he got a hold of Paul's life in this radical conversion. And Paul turned his life around. And so he wrote so much instruction and encouragement to so many churches that he started. He would start a church and then he would leave. And he would try to go start another church. And sometimes his plans got detoured because of all that was happening. Opposition, opportunity, all these things. But all along the way, what he did is he planted churches and he left a group there to keep it going. He would write them letters to encourage them. And that's so much of what the New Testament is about. It's about letters. Letters to, in, to encourage, to instruct, and to help. Today I want to share probably what is my favorite verse in this scripture. It's from Romans chapter 12, verse 1, and then also verse 2 is helpful. Now, I got this, and I just want to share this with you. I got this recently for my 40th birthday. This is one of the original leaves of the Geneva Bible, which is the Bible that the, the Puritans and the pilgrims used. Uh, this was printed from around 1560 to 1644. If you can imagine, this is something that has that much age. And on this right here, chapter 12, you see the scripture, and this is the original writing. And it's kind of like in this old English form. It's a little bit difficult for us to read. But I want to share what that scripture says because it provides so much instructions. Here it is, Romans 12.1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Now, Paul had written 11 chapters before you get to this point. And he starts with, I appeal, therefore, to you. So all the things that I've written bring us to this point. And he goes from kind of explaining the law in chapters 1 through 11, explaining our spiritual condition, how we're in need of God's mercy because of our rebellion, how we go our own way and try to do things our own way and we still end up short. And so he just brings it out in the light. He calls it what it is. And then he gets to this point where he says, because of what our condition was and because of what God has done through Jesus, by his mercy, present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual worship. So we're talking about Sundays. When you come to church on Sundays, many times that's called a a worship service. And so what Paul's saying is, if you really want to know what worship is about and you want to know what's central to the Christian life, it's this recognizing that I am living sacrifice to God. I'm not dead. I'm alive. I have a will. I have strength. I have a mind. I have a heart. But a sacrifice is this idea of like all that I have and all that I am 
I'm going to bring under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul says, this is the picture of worship. Now, worship is an interesting uh, word, and I'm going to talk about that in a moment. But I want to spend a little bit of time talking about the mercies of God. Because Paul says, like, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. And brothers, again, is like this universal sense. It's brothers and sisters. It's everyone inside the church. Everyone who's committed their life to Christ. He's saying, please pay attention. Listen, everything that I've written. So I would just want to highlight real briefly what he described in those first 11 chapters of Romans. And if you've never read the book of Romans, I encourage you, make this a next step. This is foundational to the Christian life. There might be some sections that are, are difficult. If you start to read it and you run into something that's hard, uh, if you're in a group, talk to your group leader. If you're at church and you've just been reading, you have a question, uh, come talk to me or a staff member or somebody that, that you trust. But I encourage you, get into the book of Romans because it's packed full with truth. I just want to highlight it briefly, but nothing can substitute you getting into that yourself, getting into the word of God. What he says in Romans chapter three is this, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So Paul is explaining the the spiritual condition. All of us are sinners. There's actually this level playing field. There's actually no one really better than another. Now, sins have different consequences, and certainly there's people that rebel more, but we're all rebels in the sense that we all go our own way. We're all into independence, wanting our way over God's way. That's the universal sinful condition since the fall. When Adam and Eve went their own way, the whole human race has followed them. And we've put our stamp of approval. We would have eaten the apple as well. And so what Paul's saying is all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's really the glory of his perfection. None of us are perfect. We all know that. But also the sense of his ways and the way that he wants things to work. Now, why is that a mercy to recognize? Because it seems like that's devastating news. What, we're, we are all sinners and we fall short of the glory of God? Well, here's where it's hopeful. When you get to the point where you realize you're not perfect, And everyone would say that. I don't think there's anyone in this world that kind of wakes up, well, you know that I'm perfect. In all seriousness, they wouldn't say that. So not being perfect is a universal law that we all agree on. Nobody thinks they have it all together. They may try to appear it, but they know they're not perfect. And so that actually takes some of the pressure off. And Paul just calls it what it is. We've all sinned. You're not perfect. And you can't be perfect. Your kids are not perfect. Therefore, they're not going to do things in a perfect way. Your spouse is not perfect. They're not going to treat you in a perfect way. Now, we know this, but there's a lot of frustration that exists. So Paul's just saying, you know what? All of us have sinned. All of us have guilt. All of us have shame. And instead of us feeling like we're alone, Paul actually goes on uh, to help us. And it's this. The law, God's ways... We know that that we come up short. Deep down, we know. And what he's done in chapter 1 through 11 is show that the law was never like a ladder. We, We tend to think like, well, I need to do good. I need to be good. I need to do enough. I need to earn my way. You ever felt like this? Like you just feel like I gotta keep pressing on. I gotta keep making sure I appear a certain way to my my boss or my coworkers or on my Instagram page or my Facebook. I need to keep up an image of this perfection that all of us know isn't real. But what Paul's saying is 
The law, God's ways, they're not like a ladder where we keep climbing and we look at others and say, well, I'm further along than you, but I'm not as far as you. And we kind of have this comparison and pressure and guilt and shame and we beat ourselves up. This is the way people live. What Paul's saying is you have to get off the ladder. And God's ways are actually not meant to condemn you. Our sin condemns us. God's law is not a ladder. It's actually an x-ray. So what Paul's saying is, is for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But then he goes on, check out this verse in Romans 7, 7. And he says, if it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin. It's saying God in his goodness has actually given us direction. He's given us commands. You even see this in the beginning with Adam and Eve. All this I've given to you, except don't eat off that one tree. Here's so much freedom, but then here's a boundary. And his law is the same. There's freedom in Christ as we follow him in his ways. But there's also boundaries. There's just certain things we can't do, we shouldn't do. And if we do, we really experience pain. So what Paul's saying is, this x-ray of God's law and his ways, his goodness to us, this is all connected to what he's getting at in, verse, in chapter 12, verse 1. We're alone, we've rebelled, our sin has caused guilt and shame. We have to always battle and we're always pressed to try to kind of impress others, to make it seem like we have it together, to try to earn our worth. I don't know if you feel like this, but I I battle this all the time. I mess up, I beat myself up, then I think I'm doing pretty good, I get into pride and you just back and forth like a tennis match, back and forth. And you just don't make progress. You feel like that ball that's just not going anywhere except back and forth. So Paul's just like, wake up. God's law reveals that you're a sinner, but it doesn't end there. This is the good thing about God. God and his goodness and his word, which again, we're going to talk about more next week, gives us the sense of what things really are. But the thing about God is he doesn't leave us alone in our state, like we're in just some cesspool, a swamp trying to get out. He throws us the rescue rope. He threw us, actually, his own son to save us. And in Romans 3.24, we're all sinners and we fall short of the glory of God. Check out what Romans 3.24 says. We are justified. We can be made right by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So we're all sinners and we fall short of his best. The law was given so that we would know this. God's word reveals who we are. And then God's word reveals what we should do. And then this is the whole context for what Paul says. Therefore, I appeal to you. Let's read that again. Therefore, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, by this mercy that this gift of Jesus Christ was given to us as a grace to save us out of the swamp, of the cesspool, of our rebellion, Offer your bodies since God has done this and he's rescued you. Now you give your life back. A living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. This sacrifice is actually even tied to really the Old Testament, a sacrificial system, which God had written into the law to the Israelites to pay the price for sin. And once a sacrifice was made to the Lord, it no longer belonged to the one who gave it. You, you gave this sacrifice to, to pay for your sin. And what God did is he 
gave us the ultimate sacrifice, the pure, what the scriptures call the lamb, who is Jesus himself, to pay for our sin once and for all. But what that means for us as a living sacrifice is that we give up our lives voluntarily to God. We surrender. God does not force you into relationship with him. God actually doesn't control you. God gives you freedom. And sometimes our freedom is the biggest gift and then our freedom could be the biggest curse because we can use our freedom to do all sorts of great things for the Lord and then we can use our freedom to really please ourselves. So Sundays are that reminder. Our entire life belongs to God. And then Paul ends with, this is your spiritual act of worship. Well, worship, uh, the old English meaning of this word means worthiness, acknowledgement of worth. And we gather on the first day of every week, like we're doing today, to acknowledge the, the worthiness of this God who saved us, this God who has given us direction, this God who sent his only son to die for us, this God who gives us a purpose and a meaning, gives us actually something to live for. That's all that we want. We're all made like that. That's why we're made in his image. We want something more than just living for ourselves. And he's worthy of our worship. He's worthy because of what he's done. So Sundays is this reminder, like I need to be this living sacrifice that I surrender my ways and my will uh, to him. Now, worship is involved in lots of different things. Uh, Worship isn't just on a Sunday. Worship actually can be involved in every day of the week. When you sacrifice and give up maybe a Saturday morning to help somebody move, this can be a part of worship because you're surrendering your will to do what you want on a Saturday morning to help somebody else to serve. And this is what Jesus did. He gave up his life as a ransom for many. He came not to be served, but to serve. He sacrificed. So when we sacrifice for others, that's a form of worship. Uh, When you serve at Ridgeview, that's a part of your worship. I know sometimes it doesn't feel like that. Oftentimes, the earlier it is, like, is this worship? Because it sure is early. Or if you're tired, it's hard to feel like worship. But it is. Because these are the things that represent the sacrifice that we do for God and his people. When you give your money, it's the same. So all these things that we're talking about on Sundays, whether it's singing, whether it's getting into the word of God, whether it's giving, whether it's serving, these are forms of worship. This is an expression of this sacrifice that we want to make. So again, Sundays, reminder, our whole life belongs to God. I want to shift gears and talk specifically about, well, what does singing have to do with that? Well, here's the idea of singing. Singing is a central element of our Sunday gatherings by design. I want to play just a brief a clip of a soccer team here in the U.S., the Portland Timbers. And I love the way that when they had matches, they, they're not currently, but when they had them, their, their whole stadium, they, they don't have somebody that comes and sings the national anthem. They, they actually do it together. And I want you to, to, to hear this. Let's check it out. <laughs>
I just love that the picture there. It kind of just gives you a sense of, wow, like, you know, when you sing the national anthem, there's patriotism, there's, there's loyalty to, to our country. I don't know if you've ever been a part of something that's spirited, but there's a sense of like people are coming together to do that, to express that. Well, when we sing on a Sunday, it's actually even more than that. We should be singing to represent this, this unity. That there's something powerful that God has done. And singing is designed to remind us of that. Now, singing is one of those things that you could be really into. Or it may not make sense to you at all. Now, if you've grown up in church, a lot of things that I'm talking about Sundays, you know about. And this may be good reminders Lord willing, God will speak to you about something that, oh yeah, I need to keep doing this or I need to maybe shift my perspective. Now, if you're new to church and you've not really been a part of a church that much and you come and you're like, this is kind of different. Here's a group of people that come together and they sing these songs. And you may think to yourself, I've really never sung with a group of people. Maybe I have done it at a sporting event and maybe I've done it at a karaoke bar. But to do that at a church, there's drinking not involved and all these people are sober, that could actually seem foreign to you. So I hope this gives you kind of some helpful perspective. But wherever we are, singing is so important. And I want to talk about this based on what the scriptures say. Check out this passage by Paul again in Colossians 3. And we're going to talk about this a little bit next week as well. But here's what it says. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. That's getting into the word of God together. That's next week. But notice the shift. Then Paul says, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Verse 17, and whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now, isn't it interesting? Colossians 3, 17 echoes the same theme as Romans 12, 1. Whatever you do in word or deed, no matter what you say or what you do, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Therefore, I, I appeal to you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. You see that? Everything, your life, word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now, this passage is a big help to me because, again, it reminds us we have to get in the word of God, not just on Sundays, but in our life. And we have to sing. And you actually don't just need to sing on Sundays either. You can sing during the week. In fact, singing worship songs can be a real helpful way, again, of reminding you of who you are before God, your identity, and our need for God. Now, Paul mentions three types of songs. I just want to briefly mention these. The first are are psalms. You know, you need to sing in psalms. And psalms are the actual psalms in the Scripture. If you're new to a Bible and you have it, you know, open the middle of the Bible, the Psalms are usually right in the middle. And most are written by King David. They're written by some other people as well. But these uh, were really music that were put to songs. So these are expressions. This is the truth of Scripture, but they're actually kind of made to be poetic and expressive in nature. It's part of the wisdom literature, but they're put to music. And we don't exactly know what the music was, in the time that these were written, but many of our worship songs today are based and have different themes from the Psalms and other pieces of scripture. And then he mentions hymns. Now hymns address God. Now these are written by the church as an expression of God. So hymns aren't found in the scripture, but hymns have, again, probably thematic and they should have truth from the scripture. 
And these are several generations old. If you grew up in the church, you may have sung hymns. You may have even had a hymn book. I knew people in the church I grew up in. There were hymn books. They were on the front pew. And the page numbers were the same. So people knew the exact page number of their favorite hymn. There's a sense of which that was bringing the group together. We have this hymn book. We know these songs. We know how they go. We, we sing them uh, together. And many of the hymns contain portions of the New Testament put to song again to remind us of the truth. And then Paul mentions a third type, spiritual songs. So hymns, they address God, who God is. And then spiritual songs kind of address uh, each other. These are kind of testimonial songs. These are maybe things that you hear today on Christian radio where people are expressing the difference that God has made, what he saved them from. Maybe the expression of what we need to do together as, as the church. These are spiritual songs. And so we have psalms, we have hymns, and we have spiritual songs. Here at Ridgeview, we sing uh, pretty contemporary songs, but some of the uh, hymns, doxology, and different things that we, we sing as well are to remind us of our, of our roots. Now, whenever you talk about music, there's always style. I mentioned a few weeks ago that I'm not a big fan of country music, and some of you have distanced yourself from me because of that in all seriousness, but we, we have our preferences, we have our style. Now, for some of us, we love singing, and we would like, man, if we could have eight songs on a Sunday, that'd be amazing. Some of you, the singing's, you're just not a great singer, you don't like singing, you maybe don't like singing with others, and you'd think, if I could just not come to that, that portion. There's actually a balance there. Here at Ridgeview, we, we try to keep our service at about an hour so that outsiders who come can have an experience, but they're not giving up their whole day. Uh, we also want to make time for, for fellowship, which is another crucial part of Sundays, the encouraging one another, the challenging one another. So we try to sing songs, again, to remind us that our whole life belongs to God, but to also allow adequate time for reading the scriptures together and also the fellowship, which are commands. But let's dig in to not just the, the preferences of that, but, but to the why. Why Sing. Why music? Why, why songs? Well, we sing praise every Sunday because it, three things. First, reminds us of God's truth. We need songs that are true, that actually go against what the culture says. Uh, here's just an experiment for you. Listen, if you listen to secular music, I know many do and, and I do as well, listen to maybe your favorite artist or turn on the radio of a popular station. Listen to that song and ask some questions. What's important to the writer of this song? What do they value? What are they saying that life is all about? If you were to do what they said, what would be the impact? Many times we don't, we don't think about this because music engages us. It kind of gets an emotional response. We like the sound. It causes us to kind of feel a certain way. That could be good. That could be bad. But we always want to think. And so think about that and then compare what do our songs that we sing at church, what do those say about what's true, what we should do? If we thought about the things that we sing on a Sunday, what would that, how would that impact our, our life and how would that impact our week? And so our goal is that these songs will remind us of God's truth. That's why we give the, the worship lyrics at the park. That's why when we have the songs online that you, you sung today, you, you can see the words. We want you to see these words to, to reflect these are true of who God is. Now, any song that you have, you have to make sure, is it true? There's a lot of Christian songs out there that aren't necessarily true. 
And therefore, here at Ridgeview, we don't want to sing those songs. We want to make sure that these songs remind us of God's truth. And I just want to thank Garrett and the band for the work that they do so that we can be reminded of God's truth. Really appreciate what you guys do. So that's the first thing. Singing reminds us of God's truth. The second is it expresses our praise and gratitude to God. Remember, I appeal to you by the mercies of God. We have to always be reminded of his mercies. And when we're reminded of his mercies, this should actually move us to express gratitude, express praise. Check out this verse in Hebrews 13, 15. Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do you see the other theme again? What is it called? The sacrifice of praise. See that same in Romans 12, 1? See the same in Colossians 3, 17? And now Hebrews 13, 15. This sacrifice of praise. So the picture is a living sacrifice. I give you my life. And then that also means that I give you this sacrifice of thanksgiving. Like I'm always on my lips going to be thinking, how can I thank God? I don't know about you. It is so easy for me to complain. In any situation, I can get into that. Like what's not good, what the holes are, what I don't like. And there's kind of a sense of which there's times you have to sacrifice your preferences. You have to sacrifice even your selfishness to remind ourselves of the goodness of God. The fruit of lips, like what comes out of my mouth to acknowledge him, that he's still here, even in a hard and sad situation. He's still here. He's still working. And God, will you help me get to a point where I can remember that, that you're here? and to express my, my gratitude and praise to you. So, songs designed to remind us of God's truth, and then to give us this practical way to express our praise and gratitude. Psalm fifty nine sixteen. But I will sing of your strength. I will sing aloud of your steadfast love in the morning. For you have been to me a fortress and a refuge in the day of my distress. This is a psalm of David. Remember, sing these psalms. This is a song. That David said, now his house at this point was being surrounded by the king, Saul, who was wanting to take him out. And in that moment of intense pressure, when his life was in the balance, David coined this, this song to God, this psalm of praise. And notice what he's saying. He's, God is my, my fortress. He's, he's a refuge. When God is your refuge, when you're feeling down and out, when the pressure is on, when he's your strength, when you're weak, there's nothing that can bring you more satisfaction than remembering that and the sense of like, God, I praise you for that. Because without you, I'd be a wreck. Without you, my life would be nothing. Doesn't mean it's perfect. Again, none of us are perfect. But it does mean that he brings help when we need it. And he's worthy of us thanking him when he does that. So, singing reminds us of his truth. is a practical way for us to express praise and gratitude. And then the third is this. Singing actually can increase our faith. Now, that doesn't mean when you sing, you're like, well, here goes. It increases your faith because of the sound that will come out. But it's the reminder of when we come together on a Sunday, and this is one of the struggles of online church. Now, you're watching this online. I will say one of the most awkward things of watching online is singing worship songs. Why? Because if you're watching it alone, it actually is hard to increase your faith. It'd be like singing the national anthem by yourself. So there is something about worshiping together in person that you get that's a little bit more added value than just worshiping online. 
Now, if you're not ready to worship in person, we understand that. But this increasing of faith is the importance of gathering together. Now, online, you can engage with the content. In person, you can engage with the content and engage with the people. And I think that's a difference. And I think that's where we have to just keep being reminded, like, I can't be alone. I can't be isolated. So whatever our situation, we need to get to this point. Like, how can I get around people to to be reminded of who God is and what he wants to do? And that's that, that picture. God is real. He's worthy of my focus. And it increases our faith because when we're out here on a Sunday and we see other people singing the same things, it's like this, this rally cry. Like, I'm not crazy. This person is thankful to God like, like I am. This person is struggling, but they're here giving praise. It's this reminder we're here together, singing, banding together, trusting God is who he is. And we're gonna thank him for who he is. This is so powerful. Now, many times when we get into singing, it can become about us. How good I sound, how bad I sound, how much I like the song, how much I don't like the song, how I don't know the song, how the song is slow, I wish the song was faster. This song's too fast, I want it slow. Again, we can get into our preferences. We can get into the the style. But as soon as we do this, we lose, I think, some of what God wants to do. Big picture, all of our life belongs to God. When we sing, it can increase our faith. When we look around and say, you know what? It's the same for this person. And it's the same for this person. We're going to join our voices together to proclaim that he is the king. He is worthy of our praise. And just like the angels sing in heaven, praise to him as the church, we bend together to sing together before the world. No matter what they say, no matter what they do, we will praise the king. Because he's worthy because of all he's done. So it goes back. Our entire life belongs to him. I will give this sacrifice of praise and I'm gonna do it with a group of people so we can be reminded of God's goodness. Now, I wanna just close out our time by just you know some next steps, which we, we normally talk about, but, but also some, some questions. So think about the impact of, of singing and how we can be reminded of God's truth and how our hearts can be full of gratitude. One of the things I encourage you to do is, what does this mean for you when you come on a Sunday? Maybe just think before you sing and you just pray, God, help me to focus on you right now in this time of singing, in this time of worship. You just say a little prayer. Help me not be distracted. God, will you even from singing remind me of your truth? God, as I'm singing, will you bring things to mind that I can express praise and gratitude? So in the middle of singing, if you just feel just this thankfulness in your heart you just thank god specifically you stop singing for a moment and you just think god i thank you for your mercy god i thank you for your goodness i thank you for the help that you brought me yesterday because i was really struggling and i was discouraged you just thank him this is an active worship participation giving our whole lives to god so here's some next steps i encourage you memorize romans 12 1 you'll just be reminded like you know what god's given me mercy And because of that, he initiated. I can actually give my life to him because of what he's done through Christ Jesus. So memorize that that verse. Second, express thanks to God in song this week. What that means is this week when you're driving, if you don't have any Christian music, uh, you could listen to a station. 89.7 is one. And I know that there's some others. I think 90.1 is another. But just listen to some music. You may have never listened to Christian music before. 
And some songs may draw you in more than others, but just take a moment. What if you were to turn off podcasts, turn off talk radio, turn off the news, turn off your popular radio station that you normally listen to, and, and maybe listen to something a little different? And kind of see, how did that remind you of God's truth? So maybe do that. Or, or if you know worship songs, sing a song this week when you're in your car. Sing along with a worship song. See how that kind of draws your heart and changes your perspective. And then the last is just consider one way that you can be a living sacrifice this week. Is there something that you need to do that will be a practical expression of giving your whole life over? Like, is there a way that you can use your will to serve, your energy? Is there a way that you can, you can help? Just ask God to show you, how can I be a living sacrifice? Maybe in your relationship to Him, some things that you need to do, like I need to get some time to pray and ask God for help. I need to get some time in Scripture. I maybe need to start reading Romans. I need to just take that time. Whatever it is, take that step this week. Now, next week, I'm actually going to be uh, out of town, going to a memorial service out of state. And Joel Berry, uh, who you're hearing to, uh, from today as our host, he's going to be speaking. And so I'm excited uh, for all of us to hear from Joel. He's going to be, again, talking about the importance of getting into God's Word. So I encourage you, come back next week as we hear from Joel as we do week two of our new series, Sundays. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your goodness to us, your love, your provision. Thank you, God, for the the mercies that you've given us. We we do recognize it. And as we forget, will you bring it to our minds so we can actually offer our whole lives as a sacrifice to you. Thank you for what you're doing in our church, God. We want to band together to express our worship to you. Thank you for being a God who is worthy. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.